Today is May 27th, 2022. Welcome to The Regimen, where public health pharmacists, pharmacy students, and their guests discuss the latest public health issues relevant to all healthcare providers, their patients, and policymakers. Listen to find out how pharmacists and pharmacy students like us can improve population health, health equity, and patient care through advocacy and education. My name is Amanda Rocha, and I'm a last-year pharmacy student at the University of Rhode Island, working with the Rhode Island Department of Health alongside my professor, Dr. Ratberg. And I'm Zachary Oquendo. I'm also a last-year pharmacy student at the University of Rhode Island. I'm working with the Rhode Island Department of Health alongside Dr. Bratberg. And I'm Dr. Bratberg. I'm a clinical professor of pharmacy practice at the College of Pharmacy and the Academic Collaborations Officer at the Department of Health. Our guest today is Dr. Nicholas Dorich, a pharmacist that works as the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Associate Director of Pharmacy Accounts and hosts a podcast series, Quality Corner Show, that covers everything quality in the world of pharmacy and patient care. Dr. Nicholas Dorch, welcome to the regimen. Thanks for having me today. Very excited to be here. Today's episode is going to focus on methods for measuring healthcare quality and how they can be applied in the measurement of pharmacy quality. But before we begin today's discussion, Dr. Dorch, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about yourself, starting with your time as a RAM. Thanks. Well, appreciate it, Zach and Amanda. And I'll, I'll take us back even a little bit before I was a roadie ram. So I was born and raised in Narragansett, Rhode Island, which if you know the URI campus, that's just a few minutes down the road. If you follow Route 138, I, I lived in the north end of Narragansett. So when I went off to college for the first time, it was literally get on 138, get off of 138 and go drive to the dorm room. That's how close I was. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist. Um, I met a pharmacist at a career fair my sophomore year of high school. His name uh, is Bill Ballou. He was a faculty member at the University of Rhode Island College of Pharmacy. He worked in long-term care, had been very active in pharmacy advocacy. And Bill was the reason I got my only ever excused absence from skipping a day of high school. And that was because Bill took me to the URI College of Pharmacy for a day to see what it was like, to see a practice lab, kind of get to play along, if you will. And I knew at that point that I wanted to be a pharmacist. Um, throughout my time at URI, I, I remained close with Bill, with him as a mentor and, and friend. And uh, certainly I would not be here today if it weren't for Bill and his mentorship and advocacy for me learning the gone into healthcare. I was the first person to go into healthcare. I've had other family members that have come along since, including my younger sister, who also graduated from the URI College of Pharmacy. But while I was at URI, I became very active in some other activities. I wasn't necessarily the greatest student when it came to my therapeutics classes and learning some of the disease states, but I did do very well when it came to health systems, pharmacy law, and understanding that intersection between healthcare and policy. So I was involved at one point, I was the student officer for the Rhode Island Pharmacist Association. During my last year of pharmacy school at URI, I was one of two national members at large for the American Pharmacist Association Academy of Student Pharmacists. I'll note um, I was the second URI student to be a national officer for the organization. And, and still to this day, there's only two of us. So special shout out to Linda Nelson, who also has been a mentor of mine through the years. Um, she's still in Rhode Island, I believe. Um, but I've remained active with APHA since that time. Uh, I've recently been on executive committee for the Academy of Pharmacy Practice and Management. And after I graduated from URI, we did an executive residency program with the National Association of Chain Drugstores Foundation, stayed on with the NACDS uh, team for a couple years. And then since 2014, uh, I've been with what at the time was a startup company, Pharmacy Quality Solutions. And I've been there now for almost eight years um, in a role as a pharmacy account manager, as in a role as a consultant, uh, and in as a role as a, a sales manager for some of the programs and offerings that we provide to pharmacies and to health plans. 
All right. That was very interesting. Thanks for sharing. One other quick thing. We mentioned that you were on a podcast. What is that show and where can listeners of the regiment find that? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago at PQS, we started our own podcast. It's called the Quality Corner Show. Uh, began hosting that show. We're in, we're in season three now. So began hosting that show with my colleague, Jesse McCullough. Uh, and then uh, we, we, we focus on medication use and quality improvement in healthcare. It is a little bit directed more for, uh, for pharmacists and those in the pharmacy industry, but I like to think we're talking more broadly to the healthcare industry as a whole about the great things that pharmacists are doing, that they can do, and some of the things where, as we know, things that pharmacists should be doing more of in their efforts to improve patient care. So um, you can find us, our, we've got a Buzzsprout page, you can look up the Quality Corner Show, and you can find us on all of the major podcast aggregators, so Apple, um, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera. We've got a YouTube page where some of those are uploaded later. Um, it is, at this point, just a podcast, but it is my goal before the end of the year that we'll actually have live recorded uh, episodes where you get to see my face on video and being more than just a voice for radio or podcast. All right. Thank you for sharing that. So we'll get into our first topic. So just broadly, what is PQS and how do you operate there? Absolutely. So PQS, how I would identify our organization is we're actually a healthcare technology or quality improvement company. I am a pharmacist by background. I believe I am one of four pharmacists in the organization. We've got about 40 folks on the team. In an organization named Pharmacy Quality Solutions, pharmacists may think, oh, you know, pharmacy's in the name. You've only got four pharmacists, but we're a technology company. And a lot of what we are doing is providing an environment through some of our technology and through some of our um, products so that payers and providers, and to be clear, I include pharmacists as providers in this statement, and we really focus on pharmacists as providers, but we're, we're providing a landscape or an environment where payers and providers can um, understand quality measure performance, and they see it in a standard, neutralized, and transparent way. That's really our focus. And for me, that's particularly interesting because I can tell you when I went to pharmacy school at the University of Rhode Island, I remember sitting in Dr. Steve Kogut's class and talking about, oh, well, hey, what is the Affordable Care Act and what would it mean and what happens if that gets passed? And well, hey, what are these other things related to quality measures? What does that mean in healthcare? Quality measures are new to pharmacy and they're new as it relates to medication use. But even at that point, quality measures had been around in healthcare for 20 plus years in hospitals and health systems. So quality measures are not new in healthcare, just new to pharmacy, just new to that environment. And quality measures being used in value-based payments or value-based arrangements, again, it's relatively new to pharmacy, but not new to the larger healthcare landscape. So what we do at PQS, we host our, our main product is Equip. I like to tell folks that um, Equip is the iPhone, PQS is, is Apple in this situation. In many cases, people only know Equip, they don't necessarily know who PQS is, and that's okay. Um, we wanna make sure they're using it and utilizing that data because ultimately, if they're using Equip, they're understanding quality performance measures for the patients that they are caring for, and they're able to work and showcase that where hopefully the steps that the pharmacy is taking to improve patient care, whether it be adherence interventions, competing, completing medication therapy management or MTM tips, enrolling patients in special packaging um, so they can remain adherent, or if, whether or not it's addressing gaps in therapy based on clinical guidelines. Um, with prescribers and with health plans. Those are all things that pharmacists can do to help improve quality for these different quality measures. And they can go and show to the health plan, hey, these are the steps that we've taken that has helped improve our performance that helps you ultimately improve your performance. There's many benefits to that um, in a variety for a variety of reasons. But then also for the pharmacy, they're able to assess their own data and figure out, well, what tools or what actions did we take actually 
lent themselves to achieving the desired outcome, right? You can do an adherence intervention for a patient, but if that patient's adherence score hasn't gone up three months later, that's an unsuccessful intervention, right? And we want to understand, well, hey, we want to follow up with that patient. We want to do something differently so that ultimately that patient is getting back onto their on their road for adherence, or you're just helping to better understand what are their goals with therapy and making the necessary changes so that the patient is able to achieve those goals and able to take the medications that they need to, to achieve those goals. All right. Thanks for the answer. Uh, just another quick question for you. For listeners, would you be able to define quality measurements as you work with them and the different kinds that you see on a regular basis? Sure. Great question, Zach. And I'll, I'll start broadly with just defining quality in healthcare. Quality in healthcare has meant different things throughout the years. Even if you go back, you know, when I was in pharmacy school, quality was specifically related to, you know, drug products and compounding. And is it, is it the right things in the medication that you're supposed to be getting? And even at that time, many pharmacy organizations, many groups in industry, quality was really around those parameters. But as we talk about healthcare quality, and specifically outcomes, where I would really point folks is CMS, and it's now the quadruple aim. Used to be a triple aim, but now it's it's the quadruple aim. And it's all about reducing costs, improving population health, improving the patient experience, and team well-being. I'm going to put a special mark on that last part, team well-being, um, because a lot of people will look at this and quality measures or metrics generally in healthcare, and just saying that hey, these are only used in a punitive manner, and that's that that shouldn't be the case, right? Ultimately, for a team to improve quality for the patients that they're working with, there's absolutely a team component. Do the pharmacists, do the prescribers, whether it be physicians, nurse practitioners, et cetera, do they have the tools from their employer? Do they have the time? Do they have the staffing to support these quality improvement initiatives and show that? So it's an area where I know for many frontline providers, they don't like to hear the term measures or metrics, but I would point out that it's an item where it's going to depend on really how they're applied. And in in many cases, measures can be used in a way to help facilitate that appropriate staffing and workflow. Now, the other part about this healthcare quality, how do we define it, all goes related to value. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak out an equation, if you will. Value in healthcare, that's equaling your quality and service divided by the cost. So there's a couple different ways that you can improve value in our healthcare services and in the, the landscape that we're working in. You can reduce cost or you can improve quality We can also work on providing better services, more services that are getting that desire or achieved outcome. So everyone that is working in a healthcare setting has a role to play um, in this environment. And uh, ultimately, that really is the key thing. The the part that I point to here as well, going to that team well-being, staffing components of it, it's less about what you do. The example that I'm going to give here in a second, I'm going back to when I was in elementary school or middle school, Right. Every Friday, I would, when I got home from school, I was supposed to clean my room before I could go outside or play with my friends or do some of the things like that, right? Now, what I would do I was, is I would go into the room. I'd rearrange a few things, get things set, and tell mom, hey, I cleaned the room. Now, mom would come in, and the room would not be clean, right? I didn't do the dusting. I didn't clean out cobwebs. I didn't clean the guinea pig page. All these different things where you know, I completed a task. In my mind, I cleaned the room. But the definition or what the, her expected outcome that was not achieved. So that, that's a part of it in quality as well, where we can complete tasks. We can do something that, yes, we did an intervention with the patient, but what's more important? Did we complete an intervention for the patient or did we have a holistic approach with the patient to understand what is their barrier to, um, to improving their health? Is it the medication regimen is too complex? 
Um, have they had a change in their financial status that impacts whether or not they can take the medications? If they've been taking a medication, but hey, now they're taking new medication and the combination is creating some undesired side effects um, or drug-drug interactions, these are all things where, yeah, just because you did an adherence intervention, just because you enrolled the patient in MedSync, that may not be the right solution for that patient at that time. And those are the items that we really want to address. Finding the right tool, the right intervention for the right patient, using it at the right time, and in conjunction, doing less of those services that aren't the right tool for, for that patient. So there is a bit of give and take that all goes to, we want to do what's best for the patient. We want to reduce the cost. We want to do more services that are actually achieving the desired outcome and, and less of those that are really just a check the box type of item. So what would you say, like our listeners or just general pharmacists, what would you say their role is to improve quality? Amanda, this is probably my favorite question to answer, and it's a big part of what, am I, what I do in my job every day, because as I said in the beginning, pharmacists are healthcare providers. Plain and simple, we may not be recognized by CMS as providers under <laughs> the Medicare Part B um, benefit there, but pharmacists are providers, and pharmacists absolutely have a role to play. Now, when it comes to measures that we are looking at currently, and I say currently because part of the quality measure landscape is that Measures that are used today are going to be based on clinical guidelines and data sets that are appropriate for right here and right now. Those may change over time. So while the measures used in the marketplace today may relate to patient medication adherence for specific disease states, there could be a time in you know, five, eight, 10 years where it's more related to you know, pharmacists actively testing hemoglobin A1C for patients and helping those patients get their hemoglobin A1C, not just the test completed, but ultimately do they get that A1C under control within a certain time frame? right? That's a really important aspect. So when it comes to this, we get this question all the time. It's, and especially this summer, as I'm gearing up for trade shows, pharmacists will look at their data and they'll say, well, hey, Nick, you have to tell me what to do with the data. And I give the response that they don't really like to hear sometimes where it's the, the performance data is what this is here, right? The pharmacist, they're the care provider. Me as Nick Dorich, I don't know uh, pharmacist Joe, and I don't know Joe's relationship with patient Jane Smith. What Joe can do is follow up with Jane onto what are those true barriers to their adherence, right? Again, is it something related to cost? Has there been a change in financial status? Are they taking another medication and there's an interaction that's there? You know, patients, they may, especially as patients get older, um, liver, kidney function, right? Those may decrease and that may have an impact on the side effects or the clinical um, therapeutic benefit of the medication. So the phrase that I'll refer to here, and it's what CMS uses in this space, continuous quality improvement. So really what just what that means, if you're doing a task-based item, you do, you do this action step, you do this action step three months later, you do this action step for a patient, those are all just specific points in time. When in reality, the right approach is if a patient is taking a medication and it's intended to be a chronic therapy for a disease state, right? You want to be make sure, making sure that the, you're following up with that patient continuously. Because again, what happens in three months, a lot, a lot changes in three months. I move states just in the last three months, right? That has an impact on me as a person. That has an impact on my access to healthcare providers, right? There can be a change in financial status, change in the medications, change in the disease state. So that's where it becomes very important. Pharmacist, as that healthcare provider that a patient sees more than anyone else, pharmacists are, are uniquely suited to be the one that identifies these opportunities. Pharmacists, we know, have the communication skills to understand and get to the root of what truly is the issue. Again, cost, side effects, et cetera. Is it just forgetfulness, right? 
pharmacists have different tools that they can use. And ultimately from that point, it's applying the right intervention and then continuing to follow up with the patient. Um, a patient doesn't go from being non-adherent with a 60% proportion of days covered or PDC rate. They don't go from being non-adherent to just magically adherent the next month, right? It's going to take time, but that's where the pharmacist is, again, uniquely suited to do this follow-up, have those conversations with the patient. And as they have those interactions, they should be, there should also be an understanding of what worked for the right for this patient. Does that work right for that next patient? Or is it a different approach that we need to take? Um, we don't want to take co a cookie cutter approach. All healthcare is personal and all healthcare is local in my mind. So how we're treating each patient, it's treating each patient uniquely. Um, we want to understand the data but the data is one piece of our conversation with that patient. Thanks. Now, a quick follow-up. You mentioned that there's some disappointment in metrics as measures. What would you say the regimen is to better connect metrics and data to improvements in patient care or for job satisfaction? Yeah. So from this part, I think it goes a lot to just understanding from everyone that's in the system, right? We want to have, and this is an important part with quality measures, um, quality measures are intended to be patient care, patient-focused measures. There's all different types of measures that may be used in the marketplace as well. So particularly when we at PQS are talking about measures, we're generally focusing on performance measures. How has a patient improved adherence over time? Is again, a patient on a clinical, are they achieving a clinical uh, benefit like getting A1C under control? Those are all items where that's why I went to pharmacy school, wanted to help people achieve their health goals that's different than what may be other metrics or measures, right? So even in the quality improvement process, you've got performance or outcomes-based measures. You're gonna have items that are more so related as monitoring measures. And these may be indications and scores or evaluations that relate to the success of interventions or tasks. So when you do complete an item, how successful is it, right? And not everything is successful. Not And in healthcare, we're not gonna be 100% successful. That's okay. We may also have quality improvement indicators, and this is identifying or detecting how systems are working. Um, some of this may relate as well to, well, hey, what is our completion rate on services, right? We do have differences in, in some of our capabilities. Not every pharmacist is exactly the same, and not every one of us is going to be successful um, in the same way with all of our interactions. And that goes to, in my mind, that doesn't and, and isn't necessarily meant to be punitive, but those are areas where that should be really um, that, that should really be setting an education or training opportunity for these, for these sort of items. Or maybe it's an issue with just, you know, how these opportunities are presented. It could be an issue related to staffing, right? If one pharmacy location, if they're not completing many of their adherence tips or they're not, they're not getting those patients to being adherent, is that something about the pharmacist at that site? Not necessarily. They may not have the right staffing. They may not have the right workflow. There's a number of different components that you can pull at, pull at on the strings here to figure out what really is the, the right approach to uh, addressing what are the key items that need to be uh, managed from an education standpoint? Because um, ultimately, again, we want all pharmacists, we want all providers achieving on these performance measures because more pharmacists, more providers are able to achieve intended results on the performance measures. That goes back to, that's the real item on helping patients achieve their intended health benefit. Nick, this has been fascinating. I really appreciate all of the um, your excitement and passion for this. Uh, I just wanted to jump in as the the professor here. So you know, teaching quality sometimes doesn't get people to jump out of their seat as as high as you know Zach, Amanda, and you and me here. But uh, as an educator with my students here, especially on their uh, last year of school, what would you advise that me and my colleagues should do uh, to talk about quality or talk about you know what 
the future careers should be so that inequality is sort of incorporated? I think the best point or best place to start is really just understanding the quality landscape. Quality measures and quality initiatives, they're applicable everywhere in healthcare. So this is not something that's pharmacy specific. This is not something where folks are just out to get pharmacy. This is applicable across healthcare. And we're generally moving from fee-for-service payment to value-based payment in healthcare. Um, CMS, as the largest payer in healthcare, they are on a mission to move majority of their payments to value-based payment. So this is an area where, and, and I'll add, in value-based payment, that doesn't mean all dollars are tied specifically to the outcome. There are still going to be some components or payments based on completing tasks, because ultimately, you know, whether it's a pharmacist, whether it's a physician, they need to get some payment for doing a test, providing the counseling, doing those sort of things, right? But the value-based payment of it, think of that as more as that's kind of the bonus element where the more that you're able to achieve those intended results at large, those providers that are able to achieve those results, they're the ones that get more bonus payments, right? So it's rewarding groups that have good practices, good workflow. This may relate to groups that have uh, appropriate and enhanced approaches to addressing health equity and addressing social determinants of health because, hey, those populations are going to be more vulnerable in our healthcare system. They may not have the same access. So those are populations where, yes, they are generally going to need more of an interaction with their healthcare provider. So where I would start is really just being familiar with some of the organizations and some of the groups in healthcare related to quality. So measure developers like the Pharmacy Quality Alliance or PQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, NCQA, having a good understanding on, and this part I'll add here, every pharmacist, every healthcare, they don't need to know and mem memorize every quality measure that's out there. That's, you, you need to know a general understanding, hey, what is a, again, I referenced earlier, proportion of days covered or PDC rate, that's a measure of adherence. Do you need to know every detail in that measure? What measure, what medications are included, excluded, um, what the evaluation is, and, and some of the details. You need to know a general concept um, that's around those. And need, more so, you need to know when you see a performance measure for a patient's PDC or a PDC for your pharmacy, you need to know what action steps to take, right? So if a patient's not adherent, non-adherent, for a period of time, what do you do? How, what's your period of time for which you want to get them to be adherent? And I think those are the most important aspects of it. Um, ultimately, measures may change, quality programs may change. So if you're, if you're, it's kind of like when I was in college at, at URI, if I'm just um, remembering all the details just so I can pass that one midterm exam and flush it out of my brain, you know, two days later, get ready for the next exam, I'm not actually learning anything, right? You want to learn and understand the process. And then just like any good pharmacist, if you don't know the exact answer, go and look it up, go and find the source um, at that or the expert that may know more. And as it relates to some of these groups around quality, there are many opportunities with health plans, with pharmacy organizations that are all about improving quality. That's something where when I graduated, that wasn't really a role or opportunity that existed. But for pharmacists that really want to play more into a system overview and operations role, uh, operations are clinical, I would say, actually. It's, there are very key opportunities. So get involved, ask questions about this, learn how you can be involved with stakeholder groups or task force related to improving adherence or even developing new measures. I've been involved with a number of task force related to new measures and new measure concepts. It's a very rewarding experience. Um, before you get into it, I would add that it's a uh, very lengthy experience. These measures don't come out of the sky. Um, there's extensive clinical review, extensive review of data sources, and then measures are always under review as you go forward in time to ensure that they are still clinically appropriate, that the data sets used for performance measurement are still valid, reliable, 
or to understand if there's new data elements that need to be considered. So there's an endless number of opportunities for pharmacists to be involved with, with quality. Find an area that you like and just kind of dive in. Thank you for that. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain how pharmacists could learn about quality and how they could learn how to practice it as well, because that's really not something we get in the curriculum at school. So what kind of issues seem harmless at first, but can lead to serious problems down the line? Essentially, what I'm trying to ask is how are quality measures similar to public health or health promotion? Yeah, and Amanda, I may give a specific example here. It, I referenced before that the idea is continuous quality improvement. So when I speak with pharmacists about checking equip, the idea is, hey, you need to check it once a month um, and you need to identify where are your key opportunities. A lot changes in a month from a patient care standpoint, or a lot can change, especially when you're a pharmacy that's overseeing the care for dozens or hundreds of patients, right? And as it goes to this, if you're not following up with a patient one month and they miss their fill, that's a missed opportunity, right, on the follow-up with that patient. And that's really when they need their pharmacist, right? If they were supposed to be taking that, uh, if they're supposed to be taking that atorvastatin every day and that's a long-term therapy, they should have that be having that reviewed. Well, if you miss, if they miss that fill and you don't have an outreach, you don't have a contact with them, well, what might happen next? They might not take it that next, over that next month and they might miss another fill, right? They miss a couple more fills, right? That cholesterol is not managed and you can get into situations, right, where they end up in the hospital with a heart attack or something else. And when reviewing the medication with that patient, right, the physician or the healthcare team for that patient may look at this and saying, hey, you know, this is an avoidable situation. Uh, we can have medications. They check the review medications and hey, the patient hasn't been taking this. So there's absolutely key opportunities here where that opportunity for pharmacists um, and that continuous imp continuous improvement check-ins with the patient is really going to be the key item um, that goes from this. I will say it is a time investment at first. Um, and, and I point that out because as pharmacists are getting better with these interactions with patients, that ultimately should be reducing the number of touch points that are needed down the road, right? If you're you having the intervention that gets that patient to have a change in medication or the right intervention, that patient, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, shouldn't need as many interventions down the road. So it can be a self-limiting or, or self-regulating step that's there. We want ultimately patients, we want them to have to use the least amount of medications and at the lowest doses necessary to achieve that intended clinical benefit, right? Now we know some disease states are different than others. And even as a you know, great example, type two diabetes, that's one where if a patient, if they are exercising appropriately, if they're are taking a correct diet, and if they're taking their medications as prescribed, there may come a point where that patient no longer need, needs those medications. And that is actually the perfect situation. That is what we want to get to um, as far as a, a disease state and it's helping that patient achieve their goals. So it really, again, becomes a, the phrase that I use all the time with my team. It's continuous quality improvement. What are we doing? Are we taking steps throughout the process? And if we get off the rails um, on it in the interaction with the patient, with the care team, et cetera, that's okay. We wanna get back into that process. Great, thank you. We've got one last question for you today. How can you compare measuring quality with something familiar to our general audience and also our pharmacist audience? You've given us a lot of valuable and relatable examples, but what would be the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this conversation? Yeah, when it comes to quality, it's um, or measuring quality or understanding some of the parts, it's not necessarily a new concept, right? Um, typically, if you look at actually the biggest program on quality in healthcare, it's CMS's five-star rating system. We all have used Uber. We all have used, <laughs> we've all looked at, at, at uh, movie reviews. We've all looked at restaurant reviews. 
we inherently know, you know, five-star, a five-star Uber driver is a lot better than the two-star Uber driver. You might cancel that two-star Uber, um, you know, ride once he shows up there and you see the, the, the banged up 1997 Honda Civic or something like that, right? Healthcare really kind of be the same way when it comes to those star ratings. The idea generally being with CMS and the Medicare star ratings program is that patients should be reviewing their Medicare plans when they enroll and that there are going to be differences. There are going to be specific cases where it's not meant as a blanket statement, but in general, a five-star plan is generally achieving better patient survey results, better patient engagement. They're able to uh, manage disputes better. Um, they're able to better manage the health outcomes or in some of those intermediate outcomes like medication adherence versus a health plan that may be two-star. And the same goes downstream to providers and to pharmacy organizations, right? Groups that are able to improve quality. It's generally each measure is going to have specifics, whether or not a higher score is better or a lower score is better. So I would say with regards to quality, it's not really anything different than we haven't seen before, whether it be our grades in pharmacy school, whether it be rated to five-star review items. It's an item where the devil is really in the details into, well, how exactly is this calculated? Kind of like when you're taking a pharmacy school exam, right? This section of the exam is worth 40% of your grade. This written section is worth 20%. So there's a little bit there that goes into determining how exactly it's calculated. But in general, the overall system, the better you're performing, the more advantages that has. The lower you're performing, the less likely that people may be successful in working with you as an organization, or on the other hand, it's an opportunity to change what you are doing so you can better improve patient care. All right. Thank you again. To wrap us up, it appears that the regimen for the pharmacist quality includes monitoring of value, continuous quality improvement, measurements of change and how to track them, and how quality is measured in pharmacies, just like your Uber driver or Amazon product, but with benefits to the quadruple aim. Don't forget that you could find out about new episodes every week on our Twitter and Instagram at PharmDPubHealth, and that all of the Regimen Podcast episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm.